It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. Even as vaccines come online, the world continues to battle COVID-19, and that includes the English Premier League, which saw one of its most celebrated teams suffer an outbreak on Christmas that has now resulted in suspension of play for that team. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined, as always, by Jared. Jared, how are we doing this week? I'm doing good, Mike. How was your holiday? Not too bad. I uh, I got these awesome new uh, headphones that you see me sporting today. They look great. Oh, thank you. It's all about the appearance. <laughs> uh, they also happen to work pretty well. Um, how was your Christmas? You got, the, you got the young ones running around. Yeah, my son got a... Uh 3d printer from santa and wow that actually turns out to be a negative gift for daddy because he's got to figure out how to get it to work ah so, uh, I I don't, i'm sort sure of like when you get the jungle gym and you're out back for yeah. two weeks trying to put the eight thousand pieces together yeah I, I you're probably familiar with normal printers you know you load paper maybe you change some ink and maybe you clear a paper jam and that's about it right uh this one's got ex- Extrusion calibration. What does that word even mean? Uh, it's the rate that the filament comes uh, into the machine. All right, uh, what's the filament? Uh, the no pla- filament in the light bulb. What the, the the little rolls of plastic they get melted and then solidified into whatever shape you're trying to do. So, uh, it, it's been a been a pretty wild couple of days for me, and I still don't know everything I need to know. But what do we uh, what do we expect your son to be making with this? Uh, more plastic toy crap to be uh, littered the house with uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's uh what it's going to be used for so so like he can make toys i guess yeah you know you, there's just hundreds of thousands of patterns people have made 3d models you can import them print them out huh. or you can des- design them yourself but there's so much out there it's like what's the point mm. you know so all right so uh obviously we touched on it in the intro there Um, There has been some big news just in the last few hours, Um, although the news kind of began on Christmas Day, as we mentioned. Manchester City Football Club has had an outbreak of COVID-19. It affected some of their star players um, on Christmas. Um, Gabriel Jesus tested positive, uh, some other folks, and... Today, being Monday the 28th, uh, they were slated to have a match against Everton. And that match has now been postponed indefinitely because of this uh, COVID-19 outbreak at the Man City uh, facility, which is going to be shut down for a period of time so that they can get a handle on this. Here is the statement from Man City Football Club. Manchester City FC can confirm that this evening's Premier League fixture at Everton has been postponed. After the latest round of COVID-19 testing, the club returned a number of positive cases in addition to the four already reported on Christmas Day. So that's going to include Jesus. So they have a number of positive cases, new cases. Goes on. With the security of the bubble compromised, there posed a risk that the virus could spread further amongst the squad, the staff, and potentially beyond. 
Based on strong medical advice, the Premier League, in consultation with both clubs, have decided to postpone the fixture. All positive cases involving players and staff will observe a period of self-isolation in accordance with Premier League and UK government protocol on quarantine. The first team training ground at City Football Academy will close for an indeterminate period with the squad and associated bubble undergoing testing before any decision is made for training to resume. Everyone at the club wishes all of our colleagues a speedy recovery ahead of their return to work, training, and competition. So there you have it. Um, not sure when the Man City, the Everton Man City match is going to be rescheduled for. Um, don't know uh, how long the training ground is going to be closed for. You know, it's probably going to be the whole ten days to two weeks period that you often hear about for quarantine to sort of ensure that the the virus is either sort of run its course or more importantly to, to ensure you don't have it because that's the, uh, the incubation period as I understand it so if you're if you give it 10 days and you're fine then presumably you didn't catch it at the beginning of that time uh, one name we've also learned who uh, has tested positive is Man City's goalkeeper Ederson who was out there this weekend playing yeah he was um, so either he just got it like hours ago or um you know maybe it's um the kind where you don't you know you're asymptomatic and so you know you sort of feel fine but you test positive when you get tested i mean these guys are getting tested all the time obviously for good reason um so presumably he'll be okay um you know maybe he had it this weekend and just played through it so more to follow on that, and again, no idea when this Everton-Man City match is going to be resumed. Kind of an important one. It's probably not going to be this week, I'm guessing. No, I wouldn't yeah. think so. Uh, and, of course, lest we forget, Man City's got another game they got to make up because they were one of the four teams back in match week one who didn't play uh, along with Manchester United, Aston Villa, and Burnley? Correct. Okay. Um, so we'll see. What comes of that? Um, another topic we wanted to discuss to sort of clean things up from last week. We mentioned how the uh, Manchester United Leeds United football match is one of these storied rivalries um, that, even though it's not teams from the same city, uh, that it is a derby and it's a derby with a neat name for it. It was. It's been called the War of the Roses. And this has nothing to do with the 1989 flick starring Michael Douglas, <laughs> Kathleen Turner, and Danny DeVito, I take it. Good good pull there. <laughs> um, and uh, did you just remember that it was 1989, or did you look that up before? <laughs> no, it's just that's one of I those. I think you're right. Yeah, it, it's it feels just one right. of, I mean, Well, if, if you think I'm right, then you should know too, right? 89 or 90, I think, at the latest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure 89, but yeah. Um, so... Uh, where was all right so the the Leeds United Manchester United rivalry is called the War of the Roses the question came up last week why is that and neither of us knew the answer so we we took to the most reliable source known to man uh, Wikipedia to figure out why this could be the case so they call it the War of the Roses what the heck is the War of the Roses well let's step back into our wayback machine here uh, to Mary England back in the 14th century. Of course, the, the jolly old England wasn't all that jolly back in no, it was the 14th not. century. I think they were still uh, dealing with some of the uh, Hundred Years' War uh, lingering effects. There might have been some Black Death still going around. So, so th yeah. things were a little dicey back then. Um, Richard II of the... Uh, uh, House of Plantagenet was overthrown in 1399 by uh, Henry IV, who then became King of England. And it was still the House of Plantagenet when Henry IV uh, assumed the crown. But at that time, there began to be friction within the House of Plantagenet among two branches of it. The two branches were the branches Lancaster and York which ultimately came known as, you know, House of Lancaster and House of York. Um, they were sort of competing for uh, seniority and power within England, 
and uh, the the dispute between them uh, rose to such a level that there was, you know, in essence, a civil war that uh, took place in the 15th century, 1400s in England. So Lancaster was based in the historical county of Lancashire. I say the historical county of Lancashire because there is a county of Lancashire today, but it's much smaller than it was back then. Back then, it included cities like Liverpool and Manchester. Uh York was based in the northern county of uh, Yorkshire, and that county includes the city that we know today as Leeds. Uh, ultimately, because of uh, the friction between these two branches of the House Plantagenet, there was what came to be known as the Wars of the Roses between these two factions that uh, a couple of decades within the 1400s ultimately ended with the defeat of Richard III by Henry VII, uh, who uh, then began the House of Tudor, those of you who have HBO might have watched the Tudors to know that, okay, if that's Henry VII, I guess somewhere down the road we're going to get a Henry VIII uh, since we've now begun the, the House of Tudor, and that's all correct. Now, the House of Lancaster and the House of York each had symbols that were roses. The House of York, again, this is the one that has um, the city that we know of as Currently Leeds. Leeds, yeah. Was, its symbol was a white rose. The symbol for Lancaster was a red rose. Uh, the House of Tudor ended up merging the two roses to make their symbol basically red and white rose. Not pink. Not pink. <laughs> um, but you can sort of see where this is playing out. So we've got Manchester United. You know Their uniform is generally red. Yep. The Lancaster's symbol was the red rose um leeds united from historical yorkshire county house of york had the white rose and in fact if you look at the leeds united logo there is a white rose on it and it looks a lot like the the images you see of the old house of york rose that that would be in two dimension um you know it's not really like a stem and a rose with you know, sort of a bulb shape at the top that you might picture. It's really it's almost like an aerial view staring into the rose, like from the top of it. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what's on the Leeds United logo. So, you know, Leeds sort of embraces this idea of the House of York. Manchester United is already red. And physically, geographically, they're in the historical counties um, that were the base of the two branches uh, that became the House of York and the House of Lancaster, Lancaster. So it's apparently not uncommon in England for teams that are from those two regions to develop a rivalry with each other that that sort of harkens back to this idea of the Wars of the Roses. And so that's why the Leeds United-Manchester United rivalry is the War of the Roses. As far as why is it Manchester United and not Man City, um, Two things come to mind. I, I couldn't quite figure this out through the research. Manchester United is red, like you know the House of Lancaster. So it lends was. to the the tradition yeah. there. Yeah. And back when Leeds was good, Manchester United was good, and Man City really wasn't. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah. What's the point of a rivalry with a, a team that's not so great? I mean, that's the whole reason that the the, the I always get the year wrong. 2012, 2013, when Man City won in the waning seconds. I believe it was 11 and 12. 11 and 12? Yeah. Um, you know, that was a big deal because Man City hadn't won. You know, they yeah. they, they had gone so many years not either coming close or just not being any good. So uh, that's probably why it's Manchester United and not City. So that deals with that. Um, we'll get into uh, a little bit on how our fantasy team is doing lately. Um, 
probably later on when we're talking about specific games, but we did want to note that uh, the stink of the hands-off-those-balls fantasy team has affected yet another player. You may recall we you know, sort of have the dubious honor of uh, probably having fractured Raul Jimenez's skull because we picked him on our team. Um, we've, as we'll talk about in some detail later, we've we've already turned um, Edward Mendy. Is that his first name? Yeah, Edward Mendy, uh, goalkeeper for Chelsea, who had you know clean sheet after clean sheet to start the season. Suddenly, he's given up six goals in the last three matches <laughs> because he's on our team now. Um, Don't forget Ings, you know. Uh, Danny Ings got yeah. in. That's right. We, uh, we we tore his Achilles by having him on our team. So uh, that continues because Matt Ryan, former, well, maybe shouldn't say former yet, but Matt Ryan, goalkeeper of Brighton, um, he's basically been told by Graham Potter, the, the Brighton boss, uh, you're free to look for work elsewhere because you're not going to be our goalkeeper anymore. Um, he was he was our starting keeper up through just like a week or two ago. And it's not like the team was, you know, doing excellent except for him. I mean, you know, I don't know That's why they... That's true, and it's, it's not like... I would expect Arsenal to be, like, oh, yeah. firing people left and right before Brighton. You know, it's like, how, how high were your hopes going into the season, Brighton? Um, uh, as opposed to Arsenal coming off of a, an FA Cup win. Not yes, the League Cup. Not the League Cup and not the Champions League. But, um, yeah. So... Yeah, it's 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 just I think all our fault that that poor Matt Ryan doesn't have a job at the moment because we had yeah. picked him on our fantasy team and I didn't think he was doing all that bad. He wasn't doing great, but no, but the whole team wasn't doing great. Right. Like why why single him out? Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, our apologies to Matt Ryan and we, we hope that he's able to find um, you know good work elsewhere. Um, so, tongue in cheek. Aside on our fantasy team, we did want to sort of note, um, I won't say we're, we're apologetic here, but we'll, we'll at least be honest with ourselves. We make a lot of uh, comments about the fact that, you know, oh, we're so unlucky and we can never pick the right captain. Um, we, we've got uh, on a week that Mo Salah gets three goals. We've captained Bruno Fernandez, who doesn't do anything. And if we captain Bruno Fernandez, then, uh, or rather, if we captain Salah, then Bruno Fernandez explodes. And or that one week we had twenty-two points on our bench. You remember exactly? That? Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, you know, crying in our beer about how unlucky we are. Boo-hoo. Well, the fact of the matter is, uh, coming off of this past weekend, so match week fifteen, we are in first place in our fantasy league in the head-to-head category um you know these matches where it's just one fantasy team against another fantasy team and whichever one comes out of that week with the most points wins or draws we've done that once uh for that week we are currently at the top of the table for the head-to-head matchup component of our fantasy league we are however fourth in the total aggregate points over the course of the entire season. Uh, friend of the show, Luke, is in first place in that uh, component of the league, and he is ahead of us by 82 points. Yeah, it's a lot of points. It's a lot of, I mean, just to put that in perspective, 82 is really more points than you would expect to get from a decent uh, week's worth of play. So you've got your 11 starters out there, um, you know, they might compile on a decent week, 60 points for you. So 82 would be a fantastic week. I don't think we've scored that much all year no. in a single week. And that's that's how far ahead of us friend of the show Luke is in first place. So what does that mean? It means our team has been tremendously lucky. Extremely lucky. Notwithstanding all our crying in our beer about it. There's an argument we've been the most luckiest team <laughs> I think it's in a, the it, league. It's a I decent mean. argument. And the, the way in which we've been lucky you know, may not be in our selections of our captain or, you know, we, we pick up a, a transfer and then they, you know, tear their Achilles or fracture yeah. their skull. Um, but the fact is our opponents have been... I, I'm trying to think of, of 
you know, on biblical proportions, unlucky, you know, calamitously unlucky when they play us because, okay, wah, wah, we only score 42 points in a week. Well, our opponent only scores 40. There have been several weeks where it's been something like that, where we're looking at our team whining about a, a sorry performance, but then at the end of the week we look around and it's like, oh, our opponent did even worse. So, And then that same opponent will go out the following week and explode for 90 points. Yep. So, um, you know, again, the only thing people hate to listen to more than a poker player's bad beat stories is a fantasy player's, you know, bad beat story. You know, whining about their team not doing well because you know of some unlikely event that happened in that week's play. So we we get that nobody cares, <laughs> right? About how our fantasy team is doing. But it's important that we can identify the confirmation bias or survivorship bias, whatever bias we're talking about here, and recognize it and explain it. Yeah, I mean the the sort of analogy that I was thinking of is and. You're much more versed in the the sabermetrics analytics of baseball than I am. But there's a statistic in baseball called BABIP, uh, batting average on balls in play, which as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, if you have a high batting average on balls in play, then that suggests you've been very lucky? Uh, Yes. Okay. Because, you know, if you if you get bad on the ball and it's fair and results in a hit it's obviously a good thing it's it's the whole object of the game but there are players who get bad on the ball it's fair it's a line drive but it's right at the shortstop mm-hmm. and when that happens with great frequency that player's babip is going to be lower than the player who's, you know, he hits the line drive and it's three feet to the left of the shortstop just by pretty much dumb luck. Or, you know, the, the shortstop happened to be playing him slightly differently than he should have been. And that results in a hit, whereas the same line drive for the other guy resulted in an out. It's it's a way to gauge how lucky or unlucky a hitter is in baseball. I would suggest that we have sort of had a similar... <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it. I would uh, <laughs> say for sure that that has happened. So, so uh, hey, look, we're being honest about uh, our good fortune in fan. And again, the season's a third over. You know, there's 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 a ways to go yet. Um, it's just I, I thought this was worth mentioning because hey, look at that, we're in first. Well, how the hell are you in first? You're always belly aching about yeah. <laughs> fantasy How and because, are you in first place? because of this my promise to you is i will not bitch about fantasy for one week How does one that week work? yeah all right, all right. <laughs> one week um all right so that is that we are going to now take our break and go over the scores from this past week we will go over the schedule for uh, what will in essence be an upcoming two match weeks because there are notwithstanding the Everton Man City situation, there are midweek matches being played uh, just started today, in fact. And uh, we'll also give you the schedule for the upcoming weekend's matches. So stick around. We will be right back. Here are your scores from match week 15 in the English Premier League. There were six matches on Boxing Day, starting with Leicester and Manchester United playing to a 2-2 draw. Fulham and Southampton played to a scoreless draw. Aston Villa played half the match shorthanded but still topped Crystal Palace 3-0. Arsenal won their London derby against Chelsea 3-1. Man City blanked Newcastle 2-0. And Everton edged Sheffield United 1-0. On Sunday, Leeds scored the game's only goal to shut out Burnley. West Ham and Brighton drew two goals apiece. West Brom escaped Anfield with a shocking 1-1 draw against Liverpool, and Spurs squandered an early lead to end up in a 1-1 draw with Wolves. Match Week 16 kicked off Monday with Leicester and Crystal Palace playing to a draw one goal each, which was the same score Chelsea and Aston Villa played to in London. On Tuesday, Brighton hosts Arsenal. West Ham heads to St. Mary's to take on Southampton. Leeds visits West Brom. Sheffield tries to right the ship against Burnley at Turf Moor, and Wolves head to Old Trafford to face Man United. Wednesday sees a London derby hosted by Spurs against Fulham, and Liverpool heads up north to tackle Newcastle. 
Match Week 17 starts with play on Friday as Everton hosts West Ham and Aston Villa visits Manchester United. On Saturday, Leeds heads to the capital to play Spurs. Crystal Palace plays host to Sheffield. Wolves visits Brighton and Arsenal travels to West Brom. On Sunday, Burnley hosts Fulham. Leicester visits Newcastle. Manchester City is scheduled to play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, but with City's COVID outbreak, that game is up in the air. And the week wraps up with Southampton hosting Liverpool. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we are back. Uh, So we were going to talk about the games from this past weekend. And Jared, I think you wanted to start off with Leicester against Man City. Yeah, so on on Saturday we had Leicester hosting uh, Man United, actually. Oh, Man United. Um, So this was a a very good even uh, match. Uh, Rashford gets it started with a goal off what looked like an accidental assist from Bruno Fernandes. He sort of awkwardly stabs at it. Uh, barely grazes it, but it's sort of a perfect pass to an open uh, Rashford. You know, everybody was saying that on TV. You, th- I, you think he meant to do it? I do. I, I, I think maybe I'm was, being optimistic here, but I think he was trying to get it to Rashford. It just looked so awkward that I think he was. It was you know right for the wrong reason, sort of. I don't know. I mean, I can't believe he he would have thought that with the way he he sort of lunged his toe out there that he was going to get enough on the ball to actually make a shot out of it so all that leaves is that he was trying to pass it to somebody i don't know i don't know maybe i'm giving him too much credit well it was a four points for us or whatever so i was happy with that (laughs) me too (laughs) um barnes equalizes for lester on just a 20 yard absolute screamer just a great shot um then Martial has a goal waved off for offsides on the field, and it was confirmed by VAR. Also, uh, although I admit, um, when they drew the lines down, it was a lot closer than I thought. Um, so, and was this so? This was Man United Leicester. Was this the one that Arlo uh, was calling? And when when they started doing the whole check on the offsides, here come the lines. Go, oh, here come the lines again. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly how I felt. I mean, I, and I'm so tired of those damn lines. Well, you know, and, and I think, I think the one he was talking about was that vertical line that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, when they need to get the, the elbows involved and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I, like, it, it finally made sense what that vertical line is all about. It, that's that's what it is. Whether it's elbow or knee. You know, they're trying to see if there's a part of you higher than your now. Toe. Now the knee makes sense, but the yeah. elbow you're not supposed to count. Right. You know, non-scoring appendages. So, um, anyways, um, in the 79th minute, Bruno Fernandez puts Man United back on top with a goal and is yet again the savior of our fantasy week. That guy, indeed, just, that guy just continues to keep uh, ticking for us. I wish I had the stat, but they show it every every game because he does. He either assists or scores every game. He yeah. has. He has either contributed to or scored a goal in like between his assists and his goals it's something like i'm just making the numbers up now but in let's say 26 premier league matches he has been involved in like 29 goals or something it's that that's astounding yeah um Lester equalizes again on what looks like a Vardy goal, but I guess there was a Man United defender deflection in there, so it's credited as an own goal, which uh, worked for us. Also good for us. Yeah, also good for us. This is what we mean when we say our fantasy team is very lucky, because our opponent had Vardy captained. I believe so, yeah. And so any Vardy point is doubled, so a Vardy goal surely is a big deal. And And that was a goal, you know, at the conclusion of the game. I think they retroactively took it off the board for him, so... Um, 2-2 is the final in this one. Um, so Leicester and Man United, they were at third and fourth respectively. I think after today they that may have changed. But they're both doing quite well. Um, they won three of five. So they're, they're running yeah, on all it's, cylinders there. It's, you may recall like five weeks ago I was suggesting that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is in trouble. I, I do remember I, that. Yeah, there was a. I don't believe they've lost since then. I don't think they have. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Maybe, maybe he was listening to the uh, the show. You know, there you it's go. The inverse of the whole stink of the hands off those balls <laughs> fantasy team is if I say somebody's in trouble, suddenly they're, they're going to be you know blessed with uh, copious amounts of goals and uh, never lose again. So. You're welcome, Oli. <laughs> um, we also had Villa hosting Crystal Palace. Um, so this was one of the anomaly matches of the week, um, along with Liverpool's result, which uh, we'll get to in a little bit. 
I hadn't seen anything like this uh, really in any sport I can remember. Um, I was trying to research historical context, but came up short. Um, so just to sort of get into it here, um, Zaha almost scores in the first 45 seconds, which would have been especially helpful to us fantasy-wise. Um, Martinez Ravillo is just a monster uh, in this game here. I think he racked up double-digit points for whoever had him. The Villa goalkeeper. Uh, yes. Um, Bertrand Traore scores uh, first for Villa off of a deflection and a rebound, uh, 1-0 Villa. Then things get kind of weird at the end of the first half. In the 38th minute, there's a midfield challenge and a little bit of a scuffle. Uh, Mings and Zaha get into it. Both are issued yellow cards. About five minutes later, Mings and Zaha again find themselves locked in a midfield struggle for the ball, and it appears Mings shoves Zaha to the ground. Um, now it's possible... I heard the announcer saying Zaha may have done something first. Not sure, but Mings picks up his second yellow card for the red card and is sent off. Uh, so just to recap where we're at, it's halftime. Uh, 1-0 Villa leads, and Villa is playing a man down. Um, we've seen this recently with a few teams, um, similar situations, and they haven't capitalized, if you remember. Mm -hmm. um, so... What 40, we saw, they're going to play 45 minutes with a man at Crystal Palace is going to have a man advantage for 45 minutes. Yes. Um, what we saw here, though, was pretty special on another level completely. So not only does Crystal Palace not capitalize, but they allow uh, Villa to score not one, but two shorthanded goals for the 3-0 final. Stats-wise... Uh, Villa had 50% more shots, uh, shots on goal, despite playing a man down for over a half. So normally you see shorthanded teams playing back defensively, uh, not here. Um, Parking so, the bus. So this was uh, this was a, a surprising uh, result to say the least. I can't. I'm not a big hockey fan. That's really the only analogy that that seems to fit snugly here is if a team is is on a power play with a man advantage in hockey. Does the shorthanded team score multiple goals? Well, that would also require two power plays because any score cancels it, doesn't it? I believe that if the power playing team scores, oh, but if then the, the shorthanded team gets their penalized player back. But if the shorthanded team scores, I didn't, you're okay. still shorthanded. Yeah. I am basing this entirely on EA Sports NHL 94, the greatest... <laughs> video game. Well, history. that's that's better than anything I have. Um, <laughs> I defy you to find a, at least sports games. Hockey 94 is the best sports game for Sega Genesis. I digress. Go on. Um, so, uh, you know, 3-0 was the final that one for Villa. Just a really good effort from them. They've won 3-4. Uh, of course, Palace has lost two in a row. Uh, we also have Arsenal hosting Chelsea. So, a couple of interest, uh, interesting trends going into this one. Arsenal had not scored more than one goal in their previous 10 matches. Chelsea and Edward Mendy hadn't given up more than one goal in 14 of 15 of their previous matches. So, if Was, trans I'm sorry to interrupt, but just to also put this into perspective, did the Hands Off Those Balls fantasy team start Edward Mendy in goal this week? Uh, we did. Okay. Yeah. Carry so, on. Um, so if those two trends continue, this should be... Uh, pretty solid case for a Chelsea clean sheet you know maybe they surrender a goal to Arsenal uh no that's not what happened Arsenal basically explodes this is like you know you've been dating that girl for a few months and getting absolutely nothing um and then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything um so Mount for Chelsea with just a laser free kick uh, glances off the post early. Um, later in the first half, Reese James seemingly fouls Tierney for Arsenal in the box, uh, and the penalty kick, is, uh, penalty kick is awarded. Now I watched the reviews on this one, and in my opinion, Tierney intentionally drags his right foot on the ground to take the dive. I don't know if you saw the replay of this or not. Yeah, I mean there. It just didn't seem like any contact. This seemed staged to me. There uh, seemed to be a lot of pen, a lot of fouls in the box this weekend, and, yeah. and a lot of opportunities to to watch carefully the super duper slow motion replay. And it's just hard because I, if you're running and and you're trying to make a turn, 
how much contact really is necessary to send you down. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time really being able to say, oh, that's a dive yeah. versus, you know, I, I don't think that these boots, to use the, the British term, that these sneakers with cleats on them that the, the Premier League players wear, I don't think there's a lot of padding on those things. And so I think the slightest bit of, of cleat versus heel could be quite painful for the 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 player on the receiving. Yeah. Having said that, I'm sure there's plenty of diving going on too. Um. So the penalty kick is awarded. Uh, Lacazette converts for the one nil Arsenal lead, and he hadn't scored since match day three. Yeah, I I'm think, glad you th- mentioned that. Three months ago. Yikes. Um. At the end of the first half, Xhaka, uh with just a perfect free kick uh, beats Mendy in the right corner. Nothing you can do about that. Yes. Yeah. Just, just absolutely perfect. And then Saka, not to be confused with Xhaka, um, adds one later for the 3-0 Arsenal lead. Just a perfect arc shot over Mindy's head. Now here's one to compare with with our debate about whether or not Bruno meant to pass or what he meant to do when he stuck his toe out there. I do not think that that Saka was trying to shoot. That was a cross. Yes. Yes. Okay, we agree on that one. Yeah. But having said that, it was still number seven on the Saturday night Sports Center Top Ten. <laughs> you don't see a lot <laughs> no, of Premier League yeah, on no. the Sports Center Top Ten, but Saka's goal was number seven. So congratulations, Saka. Uh, Mendy almost gives up a fourth goal on some sloppy ball handling. He sort of gave it away and uh, had to block a point a blank shot, I think, from Lacazette again. Um, Abraham for Chelsea has a goal waved off for offsides on the field, but VAR overturns uh, and the goal is reinstated. And it was a good call because uh, Abraham was onside by several inches. You know um, what? I think this was that was the moment where Arlo said, "Oh, here we go with the lines." Here, here come the lines again. <laughs> <laughs> because this, it makes more sense that they would that team would have been calling this game right. Um, so. um, too little, too late. Arsenal takes this one, uh, three to one. Um, and our continued apologies to Edward Mendy as we continue to start him and tank his outstanding season. Um, I'd argue that the three goals, you know, penalty kick, perfect free kick, and the the soccer cross, uh, there's nothing really he could have done about any of them, but still, just for the sake of being on our team, I apologize. And um, you had a statistic that that I don't know that we mentioned that in his, in was it his first... 14 matches yeah with Chelsea he he had given up one or none yes and you know EPL and non-league matches and then we pick him up we pick him up and but hey we put him on the bench for our first game we had him and he you know did fine then we start him he gives up two goals (laughs) we start him again he gives up three um so (laughs) anybody see a pattern yeah Uh, one thing that surprised me at, at the conclusion of this game uh, were you aware that they play Sweet Caroline at the Emirates after a win? That's not good. I I, I, I was not aware of it. I have no idea what the, the connection although I have no idea what the connection is for playing it at Fenway Park either. And I don't have a hatred for the Red Sox like you do, but the Red Sox ruined that song for me. Yes. They I to- ruined it for me. Tell yeah. me why you say that, because I'm hoping it's for the same reason I think. Well, just because I'm tired of hearing it in the you know middle of the eighth inning or whenever they play. I'm just tired of it. It doesn't make any sense. But they also, they sing lyrics that don't exist. That's You mean the ba-ba-ba, so good, so, so good? Yes. Yeah, it's awful. It's the worst thing ever. Those aren't words in the song. No, they just, you know. You know, when, when at Anfield they sing, you'll never walk alone, they're singing the actual lyrics. Yeah. When at Fenway Park they sing "Sweet Caroline," they're adding this making stuff, stuff up. Yeah. So, and I truly, I have no idea why they would do it at Arsenal. I mean, I was, I raised a brow the first time I heard uh, at the end of or during a Southampton match, the fans singing "When the Saints Go Marching In," but then it's like, oh, it's Southampton, the Saints. Yeah. Okay. So that that makes sense. Yeah. Hell, if if they sang "Sweet Caroline" at Liverpool, it would make more sense because <laughs> um, what's his name, Henry? What's his first name? Um, uh, the owner of of Liverpool is the owner of the Red Sox. I, I, for some reason, I've got brain lock, and all I can think is Patrick Henry, <laughs> John Henry. That's it. Uh, not to be confused with the uh, 
Steel Driving Man, wasn't that the uh, the old American folklore John Henry? I think so. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm thinking now. I'm trying to think of what songs Arsenal should be singing. Like, you know, Janie's got a gun. You know, ah, <laughs> I, I like it. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyways, this was a much needed win for Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea's actually dropped three of four uh, since we picked up the uh, singles <laughs> keeper. So, uh, but so. we're still in first place, yeah, and we've been very lucky. And yeah. we're not trying to be overly negative, but that's pretty funny. Um, we'll just briefly talk about Sheffield hosting Everton. Um, Everton, Everton wins this one, but it was a you know a nail biter till the 80th minute when Sigurdsson breaks uh, through for Everton for the only goal of the game. Just to watch on history, though, Sheffield loses another one. They're still on pace for five points. Uh, Darby's record is 11, uh, so we're Man. we're really under that now. That is. Um, they were shut out again. They're on pace for 20 goals, which is the same as that same Derby team. So, um, you know, they're right on pace there. And I know it was only Sheffield, but don't look now. Everton seems to be back on track. They've won four in a row, um, and uh, they were in second place behind Merseyside rival Liverpool. So they're looking pretty good again. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that's – Got something to do with it is the fact that Liverpool is now the only city in, um, as far as Premier League cities, that's allowing fans in the stands. At least, as of this week. That's you know, not a bad, uh, not a bad uh, little home you know, field theory. advantage. Yeah, I mean it's two thousand people, but uh, two thousand people is two thousand more than everybody else has. Yeah. So. Oh. Well. Uh, Sunday we had Leeds hosting Burnley. So in the fourth minute, uh, Pope takes out Patrick Bamford on an opportunity and the penalty kick is awarded to Leeds. Uh, Patrick Bamford actually converts this, not click. So I was, uh, it was good for our fantasy team and I was happy to see that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. There are some teams where it seems pretty obvious who would be taking the penalty kick Leeds. It seems very obvious who would be taking the penalty kick. Hell I'm, Liverpool has a ton of options, but it seems that they always have Salah take it. Yeah. Um, Leeds, like, I, I mean, Bamford's see, the guy. Did you see the kick? I mean, it was confident. He did. He, strike. There was no corn, BS yeah, when he approached bam. the ball, just blasted it into the high corner. Like, thank you for being a... <laughs> I'm going to say it. Thank you for being a man about it and not, <laughs> not doing all this toes. fake out nonsense. <laughs> Um, Vardy's a man about it too. That is, yeah, he'll, he absolutely he'll, he'll is. run up to the ball, blast it into a high corner. There's nothing you can do. And I would expect professional soccer players are able to do that. I mean, people say to me, "Well, you might airmail it if you go high, so you you should go low and try to juke out the goalie." Like, no, yeah. be a man about it. Blast <laughs> it. You are a professional. Um, in the 18th minute, a little bit of controversy. Um, I'm actually still confused on this. I'm hoping maybe you have an answer for me, Mike. But Doubtful. I, you know. um, so Melier goes up for uh, and over the back of Burnley's uh, me. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, me. On an opportunity, um, kind of bowls him over before the ball even arrives. Now, Barnes takes a follow-up shot, and it's heading into the net for Burnley. The whistle is blown, and the ball goes in. Um, I'm guessing the whistle was blown for the Melier foul and they changed their minds after the play was blown dead um, because no penalty kick was awarded. But if there was no foul, I then guess... why wasn't there a goal? Yeah, why didn't they revert to the alternate timeline where, you know, the... I? So, again, there was a, a p potential foul. They decided there was no foul, no penalty kick, but there was also no goal. So I don't understand this result at all. Um, I I don't entirely understand it either, although I feel like there is an analogy to be made. Is it in the NFL um, having to do with when the refs blow the whistle on an incomplete pass that if they if they're wrong – and they blow the whistle on an incomplete pass, you know, blowing the whistle means whatever happens henceforth didn't happen. So it's dead. It's dead ball. So what they often do is they don't blow the whistle. They let the play happen and then check the replay to see, okay, was it an incomplete pass? Was it a fumble? Was it, was it a complete pass? What was it? 
so that they don't create this unreviewable scenario. Because once you blow the whistle, everything after that is, you know, a non-event. So I, I guess the referee blowing the whistle in this match rendered that goal a non-event. You could still review what happened prior to the blowing of the whistle. They yeah. did. They decided that what happened prior to the whistle was not a foul, meaning they shouldn't have blown the damn whistle. Right. And and this is why Sean Dyche, in his post game, <laughs> was, uh, I, I suppose, fairly subdued, but pissed. Not happy. Um, you know, so uh, tough day for Burnley for sure. Um, it is. Um, and you know that just comparing the two fouls, the Pope foul and the Melia foul. I mean. They seemed as egregious, so I'm, yeah. it was a little hypocritical to call yep. one and not the other. So, uh, 1-0 was the final here for Leeds. Um, you know, they really needed this win to hopefully get back on track. Um, they were losers of three of four before this. Um, and Burnley loses for just the first time since their five uh, to nothing drubbing after Thanksgiving against Man City. So. Uh, we have Liverpool hosting West Brom. So this was really the other anomaly match of the week. Um, not necessarily due to any specific play or controversy, just the outcome. Um, it's like a tale of two halves. Yeah. Um, this one should have clearly been a gimme for Liverpool at home against, uh, you know, the second-to-worst team in the league. They've only got one win. They've got the worst goal differential. I mean, this is all set up for a, you yes. know, a, a slaughter. It's why, it's why you hypothetically would make Mo Salah your captain yeah, in fantasy. Yes. <laughs> Um, I guess very lucky. <laughs> We're happy to be in first. <laughs> I guess this is why they actually play the games, though, as, as they say. Um, Liverpool did dominate this game from a secondary stats point of view. I mean, shots, you know, over 3-1. to one. Possession, 79-21. to 21. I mean, which is, that's pretty much the most highest worded ratio I've seen uh, lately. I mean, uh, you want to talk secondary stats. I don't know if you have this one in there, but but I, I wrote it down, so I'll steal your thunder if you intended to oh, say it. Go for it. Right. Uh just in the first half, because again, this is the tale of two halves. Jordan Henderson, the Liverpool midfielder, had more passes than the entire West Brom team in the first half. I didn't know. One hundred and seven to one hundred and two. That's amazing. Like and What's amazing is that Liverpool was so dominant in that first half, but only got away with one goal. Yeah, it probably has something to do with what I think. I think Jurgen Klopp referred to as Big Sam's six-four formation. Yeah, that he just he had, you know, everybody back to make sure the Liverpool couldn't do anything, and and you know didn't have much for offense, but they had enough. Go on. Yeah. Um. So. You know, only one yellow card in this entire game, so it was pretty cleanly played. Um, as you mentioned, uh, the goal, uh, Mane gives Liverpool the expected early 1-0 lead with just a really nice-looking chest trap and shot all in one motion without the ball touching the ground. Just uh, really, really swift. Um, Liverpool did have a ton of opportunities but just couldn't get it done, and it stayed 1-0 for another 70 minutes uh, until uh, Ajayi uh, for West Brom as a crossheader go right off the woodwork and deflect towards Allison. Now, it clearly wasn't heading in the goal, and Allison, uh, you know, could have possibly handled it, but in his attempt uh, to react, he kind of deflects it and it winds up in the goal. So, um, this is sort of another topic for another day. I was, you know, trying to look this up. If keepers are immune from own goals, I think they are. Um, really? Yeah. Hmm. Because if you think about it, I mean, they're probably deflecting things left and right. You can't well, really that's true. Like you dive and it hits your hand, it still goes yeah. down. Well, um, though, that that would – I don't know. I mean, the, the ones that just sort of graze past your hand are going to get the benefit of the, oh, that was going to go in anyway analysis. But if you full-on, like, go out to feel the ball and you just botch it, and completely deflect it 90 degrees and send it into the goal, that should be an own goal. I So I want to actually look into this a little bit to see if a keeper has ever been like credited with an own goal. All right, that's good. It's uh, a good thing for next week. Um, so 1-1 uh, uh, draws the final here. Just an outstanding uh, expected effort uh, from West Brom. Um, kind of a bad result from Liverpool. Um we also have uh, Wolves hosting uh, Tottenham. I'm sure you watched this one, Mike. I did. We're running up on time, and I really don't want to relive this match, so make it quick. 
Well, um, so anyways, um, I think the, uh, so let's see here. Uh, now Bailey gets Tottenham started early with a really nice 24-yard strike. Um, Patricio probably had a chance to get that one, but he was caught leaning um, and just couldn't recover. Um, that's all we really saw from Tottenham the entire time. There were only six shots on goal, I think, from them. Um, and then uh, around 85 minutes, uh, Pedro Neto corner and Saiz uh, glancing header equalizes 1-1 uh, as the final. So Tottenham does move up to fifth with the single point. Uh, but yeah, but they're not there today. They're, yeah. they're back down to like eighth or something. Yeah. It just it, – it, we were texting with each other throughout the game. They're like – Spurs aren't going to hang on. They're they're just they're going to screw this up. They're either they're either going to end up with a draw or God forbid they're going to lose, which is something they've done in these situations where they get the early goal and then just they're not being aggressive enough. The guys in the studio were pointing it out. They're they're getting an early one nil lead and trying to nurse that for seventy minutes. It's not going to work. You got to still be aggressive. There's a, there was enough ball game left to be played that they shouldn't have been you know to use the term parking the bus in the 20th minute like come on man like be aggressive get yourselves a lead of that's a little bit more secure than a one goal lead and then you can play that way one thing i did want to note on this match <laughs> is, is certainly not the result is the fact that <clears throat> uh wolves striker raul imenez whose skull we fractured by having him on our fantasy team uh all jokes aside was at uh, Molyneux Stadium, albeit up in a like a, a corporate box, watching the match from afar as opposed to playing in it. But he's you know he's out of the hospital. He's able to get around. Um, I was looking at his haircut to try to see like if there was a scar or anything. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, he had. I said this is a bald man. He had a nice full head of hair, although sort of short haircut. So maybe he did have to have it shaved. His, you know, there was some sort of surgery, which I presume there was. I, I hear fractured skull. I don't know how you're not. Yeah, I don't think you just set those, you know, <laughs> external. Wrap it up in a cast and come back in six weeks. So uh, that was that was great news to see that he's on the mend and uh, and well enough to, to go out and watch his team play. Uh, so all the best to him and all the best to you for tuning in and listening to us we don't have a show if not for you so we appreciate you listening this week and hope you all had a very merry christmas last week and we wish you all a very happy and safe new year in the coming days and we look forward to uh, looking at the midweek matches for this week and the matches coming up this weekend talk about those with you next time so we hope you tune in then and that you have a happy new year and we will talk to you later take care everybody